0: It's the state of Victorian greyhound racing and the stories behind the sport. This is RSN 927's Off The Leash. Yeah, it's time for Off The Leash on this Monday morning as we bring Off The Leash Ford one day. Georgie Farooj, we've dragged him out of bed and he joins me on the program. Hello to you, George. How was your weekend? Yeah, not too
1: bad, Matty. Hope yours was
0: good too, mate. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Spent the weekend down at Point Lonsdale and uh, it's amazing. It's a very small town, Point Lonsdale, uh, it was a beautiful weekend down there. I ran into Michael Felgate. It's a, it's a small wow. world, isn't it? You leave work on a Friday <laughs> afternoon, you go down there, and you think you can get away from it all, and you're sitting there having a drink, and you run into your colleagues.
1: Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. Yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> That's right. Next minute, I'll be doing the show from there. Uh, Georgie, uh, it's been a little bit of a quietish period in, in greyhound racing, as we've touched on, but the Warrigal Cup heats uh, were on last Friday, and there were some big name. Greyhounds going around, they didn't necessarily get the money, though. There was a few upsets, and that included she's Fast getting knocked off.
1: Yeah, look, I spoke to a mate of mine who um, couldn't believe the dollar eighty-five. and when she's Fast began as well as she did, um, he was ready to go and collect. He just mm. thought, oh, I should be too good from here, but you've really got to hand it to money owes. It was a, a terrific victory, and, and for those that think it was a, a massive shock, I mean, I suppose it was in theory, but... You're talking about a Greyhound who provincially has recorded some very, very fast times. He's gone as quick as 29.30 at Sandown as well. Um, He's a big boy, nearly 39 kilos as well. He would have been hard to get around. And he just began so well. And look, they ran 25.63. Well, she's probably not at her absolute best running 25.82. You'd suggest that she could go quicker than that. But look, she's done 99% of her racing on on two-turn tracks and... Um oh look, that's, that's no excuse, but she faced off against a greyhound who provincially is very, very good and is clearly hard to get past. So congratulations to, to trainer Greg Berry there with Money O's because um, he's, a, he's a winner, that greyhound. He's won 16 of 32 and it was probably the biggest giant killer of all.
0: Yeah, we'll talk more about that shortly because, oh, I must admit, I agree with you, George, uh, or I agree with your friend who, who wanted the dollar eighty-five. Once they came out of the boxes... I thought she was an absolute moral, but for some reason she wasn't able to quite get past the other greyhound. Anyway, we'll discuss that a little bit more later on in the segment, but uh, it's time to catch up now with the CEO of Greyhound Racing, Victoria, Stuart Lang, because over the last couple of months, we have watched the sport of greyhound racing go from strength to strength, and uh, the Dream Chasers Festival all culminated on Phoenix Night on December 17, which was a wonderful celebration of the last couple of months, and the success of the sport, and uh, I think we saw one of the great stories of the year with she's Fast getting the job done as well. Stuart Lang joins us on Big V Racing. Uh, good morning to you, Stuart. Congratulations, I should say, on the success of, of Greyhound Racing, particularly in Victoria over the last couple of months.
2: Yeah, morning, Matt. Thanks very much for having us. It was um, a spectacular festival, the Dream Chasers Festival, and, uh, yeah, it was a, a fitting ending uh, on Phoenix night for certain.
0: Uh, a couple of things I wanted to raise with you this morning, and one is certainly around turnover. There was an article written in the Herald Sun a few weeks ago now which outlined how much turnover had gone up in greyhound racing across Australia over the last five years. I think back to 2017 it was around $5 billion, and it's, got, it's almost doubled, I think. In fact, it might have, um, it might have doubled in that, in that time, which is, is almost ludicrous to think of, um, especially considering where greyhound racing uh, was at that point in time. Um, have you had the have you got the turnover figures yet from the Dream Chasers Festival?
2: Uh, look, we have yes, and it, it is amazing to uh, see just how far the sport's progressed and and the popularity of uh, greyhound racing with punters. Uh, and so the the Dream Chasers Festival, which as you know kicked off with the the Top Gun at the Meadows and five consecutive Saturday nights where we. Um, revamped and tried to reinvigorate the the program a little, uh, ended up with turnover of 11% increase year on year. So we we got to around $43 million for those uh, five Saturday nights, which was just spectacular. And each of those uh, got a new benchmark. Each of them exceeded the prior year's um, turnover performance. So that was fabulous. And the fact that we're able to Showcase our major events in a new way to new audiences, really paid dividends in in how that came off.
0: Um, There's a number of things, obviously, that have worked in favour of Greyhound Racing in this state over the last couple of months. The coverage was outstanding. Um, The stories within the sport have been superb. Are there a few things that you can um, point the finger at which you think have resulted in this 11% increase?
2: Yeah, well, um, even though weather challenged our attendance across Mm. those nights... you know, the, 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 the way those races came together and maybe some of that was uh, good luck, but I think, I'd like to think that there was good planning in there as well. Uh, the way the Top Gun came together and then the shootout itself at Sandown following that, um, you know, really was a, oh, a highly talked about event, but the fact that we could have household names, you know, like Wow, She's Fast and She's a Pearl clashing in that, that event really made it something quite special and then when we got into the Melbourne Cup series and the quality of the Greyhounds and the names that were there and the stories just kept coming. We ended up with some really epic racing through the whole period where we saw some of those Melbourne Cup heats were amazing. The Melbourne Cup final itself with the Archie Bale winning was one of the, the most spectacular races you'd want to see and even on the same night uh, Stagger Out Lee and the bold truth uh, and the story behind Jack Strutt. Uh, young bloke winning uh, his first Group 1, just been 12 months in training, uh, and even the the match race on the night and some of the match races that we ran through the series with Emron Boy going up against Wow well, well, She's Fast in the Sportsbet Showdown on Melbourne Cup night. I think all of those storylines, and then we ended up with the finale at the Phoenix, where, uh, you know, you end up with Wow well, She's Fast making it back-to-back. The storylines themselves continue to build the interest and. In, and the following for the sport, which is exactly what we were trying to achieve. So we're really pleased with that.
0: Yeah, on those match races, I must admit, I was quite surprised with how successful they appeared to be. Obviously, they're always quite interesting and fascinating, especially when you get good greyhounds, involved, then there's, there's none better than, than Amron Boy versus Wow, She's Fast. That's as, as good as it gets. Um, I guess a two-parter, were you surprised with the, the interest in those match races to a degree, and also, do you expect that to be something that you'll um, look to increase in the new year?
2: Look, we, we've dabbled with these a few times in recent years and started to add them to country cup nights, and uh, I think we've learned a lot along the way. When you can get some big-name stars uh, going head-to-head, uh, the interest in these is just spectacular and we think it kind of has some relationship between the kind of punter that we've been able to attract in recent times, uh, particularly that younger punter, they tend to really want to focus in on this head-to-head concept. And when you get two really well-matched greyhounds going head-to-head and when they're good, uh, the names that people know, the turnover performance we get out of these, which is a good measure of engagement. Uh, are quite often um, the best turnover race of the night. You wouldn't have thought that was possible. And uh, it's something we'll do more of. We've just got to be careful to make sure we don't overdo it. Uh, but they work extremely well. And every single one of them, just they turn out to be amazing
0: contests. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, as you as you mentioned it, when you get the good ones involved, the, the best going around, it almost becomes the headline act on, on a card. So... Yeah, I'd be intrigued to see how many more they, that they can roll out in 2023. In terms of the Dream Chasers Festival overall as a bit of a, a concept in, in bringing together these Group 1 meetings, do you think a similar sort of thing could be done uh, at a different time of the year and make it almost like two festivals of racing? Obviously, there's a number of Group 1s early on in, in the year towards the middle part of the year as well. Is there a way that it could potentially be done a second time?
2: Uh, at other times of the year, well, it was certainly something we'll have a look at in terms of trying to group these together. This was uh, There were a few different things that came in when we uh, managed to get the Racing.com deal with the live coverage, which really um, took the sport to another level and the way we were able to showcase it. So that was a unique opportunity at that time. But even moving the, uh, the Sandown uh, Melbourne Cup Carnival into Saturday nights and trying to get into that peak time period that traditionally been on Thursdays and Friday nights getting those all sequenced together i think really paid dividends for us uh, and that racing.com coverage the rsn coverage all helped us to to build the profile we'll be having a look at other opportunities without trying to go to the world too many times these are our showcase events over 4 million dollars in prize money for those meetings uh, two two big races with over a million dollars in prize money um yeah, you don't want to kind of replicate that too many times, but there are opportunities to do it again, I think, Matt, yeah.
0: So with the 11% increase in turnover, what does that now mean for participants and, and protocols in terms of you know, potential prize money increases? Is there um, the possibility of an announcement shortly on that or is that in the next financial year? How does that all work? What are the protocols there?
2: Uh, Well, look, we we made our uh, prize money announcements earlier in the year, where this year we are committed to uh, distributing around $73 million in prize money, which is about a $10 million uplift on prior year. So, um, you know, there's been a really strong commitment to returns to participants over the last few years. I think we're doing um, pretty well on most of those metrics at the moment. And we will have a look at it again towards the end of this year. But I think um, that's that's already pretty solid where we are. And uh, we've had consistent uplift in in returns to participants over the last few years. But being able to achieve those kind of outcomes all goes towards being able to continue to invest in the sport, whether it's the promotion and marketing of events, whether it's prize money, feature events. We'll continue to look at those things um, over the next six months.
0: Uh, Last one from me before I let you go, Stuart. Um, The the increase in turnover, the expanded broadcast, um, what seems to be the the increased level of interest in greyhound racing, does that tell you and confirm to you that you've been able to get new eyeballs on the sport as well, not just existing ones?
2: I I think without a doubt. um, Certainly the data that we get from wagering operators and our own data says there are new people um coming in and following the sport but particularly the uh that younger audience is is sticking with us you know we did have some benefits during the COVID period of new people that uh, you know didn't have access to some of the other activities that they would normally be doing actually uh starting to follow greyhounds and i think there's pretty strong evidence that they've stuck with us and we've been able to also um attract some new people just when you see some of the people that were on track on phoenix side or people that were able to to see that coverage i'm sure that we've shown them something that uh, they'd love to, to follow into the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a, a terrific few months, I guess, of greyhound racing. Uh, I love the concept. I love the way that it can get marketed, and I think it ends on a fabulous night there at the Meadows with the Phoenix in what is just going to continue to grow from strength to strength, uh, as is the sport of greyhound racing in Victoria, Stuart. Uh, as I said at the start, congratulations on what you've been able to, to achieve in recent times, and uh, we look forward to, to following the success of the sport uh, for the years to come.
2: Thanks very much, Matt. Appreciated your support and that of RSN. Terrific.
0: There's the CEO of Greyhound Racing Victoria, Stuart Lane, joining us after the success of the Dream Chasers Festival. It's 14 to 12. We'll take a break on Big V Racing. George Faruja will discuss it with me on the other side. This is Big V Racing presented by Racing Victoria's Vobus program. Victoria, the state to breed, buy, own and race thoroughbred horses. George Faruja is with me on Off the Leash on this Monday morning. George, great to have the CEO of Greyhound Racing Victoria, Stuart Lang on the program. And, uh, well, the big news, I guess, is that an 11% increase on turnover year to year, um, that's a a big tick for everything that Greyhound Racing Victoria has done with the Dream Chasers Festival.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think figures of 43 million, it's a a terrific result, isn't it? And I think you um, asked him the questions in terms of the the popularity of the sport, which I think was really important. I, I think it lends itself to all those narratives that, that Stuart mentioned, but also, I think, the arrival of the Phoenix. <clears throat> I think it was really big in, in, in the first year, Matt, because it was something new and novel, and people wanted to see how it all worked out. But you know, I think um, in season, in year two, it just blew everything else out of the water, to be honest. That that finale was massive. And, yes, we had a champion win it, and it was, the race, almost from a storyline point of view, couldn't have worked out any better. Um but I just think that that was the big story I took out of it. I think the Phoenix now is really ensconced into that um, Dream Chaser series. not sure what you think about it, but I know you've been a fan of it um in the in the weeks leading up and after
0: Oh, I love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic I, I don't see really any negatives that could be associated with holding a race that generates the level of interest that the Phoenix has been able to generate in such a short Amount of time, and I think it's great that you've we've now got the confirmation that turnover is up, um, there's more eyeballs on the sport um, from a a statistics point of view. But I mean, we already knew it, didn't we, George? Because I see it and I hear it when I'm out out and about talking to people who may not have had any interest in greyhound racing. Uh, are talking about this this Phoenix race and uh, all the other things that are going on in greyhound racing. There is a, an increased level of interest from people who had either no interest in greyhound racing before or a very limited uh, interest in the sport beforehand.
1: You, you, I know it sounds silly, but you could almost feel it. Yep. And you, I spoke to people who were sort of horse racing people that wanted to know a little bit more about how the Phoenix was set up. And uh, as I keep mentioning, I mean, it was only one of the slots, but... I love the way that Peter Sadler Transport did it, because he got his staff involved. Now, there would have been a a large percentage of those who mightn't have been racing people. Um, I bet you they're racing people now. Um, They they were at the track for a Christmas party at about 3 o'clock on Phoenix night. They enjoyed the whole night, and they had a greyhound that if he was successful, they were going to get a nice little bonus in their their Christmas um, wage, so... Uh, you know, it's just those little things that I think the Phoenix can offer that maybe other uh, other races can't, and I'm sure we would you would hear similar stories from uh, the Everest um, in in the Gallup. So I think that's I, I think the commercial side of it, and I, I, you get the feeling that Stew uh, Stuartland gets it as well, the commercial side, and the importance of that, and growing the sport in that regard. Um, so you know, look, it's it's going to be an interesting year. I do love the fact that we've got match races on all the Country Cups, mm-hmm. with the, 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 almost the two highest-ranked Greyhounds who didn't make the Country Cup final face up against each other, and sometimes we get absolute crackers. But, um, you know, we've we mentioned it on, on, on these shows in the past, there's been some massive betting plunges for for Greyhound aficionados who think that, well, there's no way this Greyhound should be $1.90, you know, backed into a $1.40, uh, Matt, in a two-horse race, so... Yeah, it's 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 good. It's a good
0: future. Yeah, there was a good match race at Warrnambool a couple of years ago, and I think it was your <laughs> great favourite greyhound, Shimmer Shine, George, two thirty, and about a dollar sixty. And there was one particularly large bet that might have influenced that market. Uh, so I'm with you. I think match races are absolutely fantastic, and I think they do resonate. And this is how this is how it works, George. Right. So this is how the success of the Dream Chasers Festival can actually can the momentum can continue off the back of that. So you see a, a greyhound like, wow, she's fast win that huge race on December 17. And then all of a sudden, those people who have caught a glimpse of it, they've showed a bit of an interest in the sport at that period of time, then all of a sudden it's mid-January and someone goes, oh, do you know that greyhound that won the the Phoenixes racing tonight at Warrigal? And all of a sudden they're interested there. So that's how you actually get the momentum building on throughout the year. People get to know these greyhounds, they get to know the stories behind them, and that's really important as well because I think when they hear the stories... Um, it has a, a far greater effect on them and and throughout that week leading up to the Phoenix we spoke to all of the connections and they all had a great story to tell regarding their greyhound, yeah. whether it's overcoming yeah. a bit of adversity to get their greyhound there, whether it's securing their spot by, by winning a race in Queensland, there's always a story and when these people hear the story they're more inclined to follow that greyhound beyond that race
1: and I think that's the advantage greyhound racing has Matt that there is almost no off switch and there's not four months tipped out in a paddock and then brought back i mean it was only a couple of weeks before we've seen the three place getters in the phoenix race again they've all raced since the phoenix mm. and it it is almost for the meadows a little bit of a marketer's dream to think that on february 11 we'll have a race called the tem lee where we handpicked the best greyhounds and we might see wow she's fast against Amaron boy again i mean it's 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 a perfect sort of rematch it's almost like a a best-of-five series in the NBA. I mean, yeah. we don't have to wait long before we, before the, 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 the giants of the sport um, battle again. So, no, look, that, that's, that's a big advantage. And, yeah, look, can't wait. I mean, we're already the ninth of Jan, so we're probably a month away before we get that first of the, the three big three-week series um, at the Meadows where we, we give away um, over a million dollars in prize money. Well,
0: I think that's a great point, George. It's one thing that Greyhound Racing does have as an, an advantage over the other codes is that, they, these, the, the star athletes don't need to spend as much time away from racing. You know, if, if, throughout the spring carnival, you'll have all the big name horses and then all of a sudden they're put in the paddock and we don't see them at the races for three or four months, sometimes longer. Um, with, the, as you point out, the advantage of greyhound racing, a couple of weeks later, they're going around in a group race. And uh, I think that's something that greyhound racing, um, can capitalize on even more moving forward, and it presents a great opportunity for the sport. Uh, we'll come back and discuss the Warrigal Cup in a moment, George. Uh George, the Warrigal Cup, we, we touched on it at the start, where she's fast getting rolled, and just going back to that for a moment. I, I must admit, I couldn't believe she didn't win that race because she, as you pointed out, she jumped out of the boxes as well as any other greyhound in that field. In fact, I think she was the best out of the boxes. She might have just been a little bit stiff um, that the greyhound on her inside didn't quite give her an opportunity to cross to the rail, but I'm still surprised she didn't get the job done.
1: Yeah, I am, but I, I'm really um, want to make sure that we also give the credit to the winner. I, I just think he, he's a terrifically fast greyhound, and look, as I said, she's um, plied her trade running over two two turns at Sandown and the Meadows and these types of tracks, and um, she might come back to the playing field a little bit in in those one turn races. And we've seen that with Money O's. It was a terrific victory. It must have been a big thrill. You can always turn around and tell people, yeah, I beat Wow, she's fast. Not many people can turn around mm. and say that, mate. So, no, nah, unfortunately, O's has drawn box six, so he certainly is going to have to do everything right from the from the sticky draw.
0: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't believe it. I guess for connections of Wow, she's fast. Big tick that she was great out of the boxes. She had a little bit of trouble there at the latter part of the year, uh, leading up into the Phoenix, where she was she was good out of the boxes, but she certainly had her issues for a while. So at least she seems to have tidied that up. They've they've got a ticking along nicely on that front but um i think that yeah she there's still a couple of question marks around where she's fast as we head into some of the feature races over the next few weeks what do you make of the final that's been assembled george and uh, i must apologize if there is a market but i haven't been able to find one as yet i've looked pretty hard um is is there a market or
1: no haven't seen one yet hopefully we'll get one today look it's a it's a really interesting race um, I've got to give credit to Titan Blazer He made this final last year He made the Australian Cup final He made the Melbourne Cup final He's drawn box two But I think the ground of box one, Landon Bale He's probably ready to announce himself He he made the, the Silver Chief final Obviously against Amron Boy And there was probably no stopping Amron Boy that day But Landon Bale splits last week Just suggested he's going to be the one to beat He had box one in his seat He ran 25.56 He went 6.44 early which was absolutely outstanding. Now, we consider that Titan Blazers drawn next to him, and he went 6.65. gives you an indication that Landon Bale should be able to to dominate early. Mobile Legend was the fastest of the Heat winners running 25.46, and again, no surprise, because he's a very fast dog. Four starts ago, he ran 24.83 at Ballarat, which is incredible. He can be a little bit hit-or-miss at box rise, and that's why I just think Landon Bale is certainly drawn to get all the breaks, I've got to mention Matt's hope, too. He's won nine of his last ten, and five of those have been from Box 8, where he's undefeated. He's broken 25 seconds at Ballarat. Um, 21.78 at Ballarat over the short. He's very, very fast. 25.40 at Geelong. I mean, we're really um, ripping out some very, very fast times. He is redlining this greyhound. I really like where he's drawn, too, uh, in Box 8. So uh, once we get a market, we'll get more of a guy, but I'm tipping Landon Bale and Matt's hope would be right in amongst it there. Um, As I said, it'd be a terrific story if if a greyhound like Mobile Legend wins because he's been ultra-talented and uh, he's had some injury concerns and he'll go into the final if he can begin cleanly as one of the leading chances. But, uh, look, Landon Bale for mine off Box 1 should be hard to
0: beat. All right, we'll keep a a close eye out for that, market and uh, I like your thoughts there, Georgie. We'll be following you in. Don't worry about that. And what about yesterday at Sandown? Hara's skipper went around in 29-20.
1: Yeah, look, and maybe it's one for the text messages later. If you, see. Um, I don't think I've seen a greyhound as big. He's 40 kilos, this greyhound, run as fast at Sandown. Now, you'll get some people come and tell me yet yeah, there was something run that in 2003. Uh, we're happy to hear that, but this is a greyhound by uh, Seneke who threw the Queensland Derby winner um, midweek. He's had a very, very good week, Sire Seneke, who was a, a gun uh, chaser himself. But this greyhound absolutely exploded eighteen seventy four down the back quick, but his run home was incredible. Harris Skipper, watch out for him. Started his career in Queensland. As I said, he's a big lug of a greyhound, thirty nine kilos. It was a, a, a couple of days for the big Greyhounds. As we said, Money O's defeating um well, he 's fast He's thirty nine kilos. So we don't often see him that big and that fast, but so well done to Harris Skipper. Keep an eye out on him.
0: All right, Harris Skipper. Well we will certainly be keeping an eye out on that ground after the performance yesterday at uh, at Sandown. Uh, Georgie, love your work this afternoon uh, on uh, Big V Racing. Appreciate you jumping on a day earlier for Off the Leash. Uh, we're obviously on the Gold Coast for the Magic Millions as of tomorrow morning, but we'll still be crossing to you throughout the week uh, on uh, obviously tomorrow, Wednesday, and also on Friday for your thoughts on uh, those meetings of a day and get uh, to get your selections for those couple of meetings each and every day. So looking forward to doing that from the Goldie, mate.
1: No worries, mate. Talk soon.
0: There's the great George Ferruja joining us.